Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Lucas Smith, host of the show, and it was an ugly game last night that started out well and ended, like I said, pretty ugly. As Jack Flaherty was strong, bullpen falters, often started out hot, ended up cold, and it just kind of showed once again the difference between the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals, and that why the Cardinals might not be within the playoff stretch just yet, even though the, the standings say that they're only three games out of a playoff spot. I'm breaking it all down, talking umpires, talking Jack Flaherty, talking bullpen, talking Mike Sheld, talking all that and more on today's Locked On Cardinals. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, welcome into the show today. It's Thursday, August the 19th, and we're brought to you in part today by Locked on MLB. Be sure to join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia, Paul Francis Sullivan, as he will break down all the news and notes of Major League Baseball each and every day. Subscribe to your favorite, subscribe to that on your favorite podcasting platform and on the YouTube page as well. And subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and the YouTube page. Hit that bell on the YouTube page to be notified when a video goes live and be sure to drop a rating, like videos and everything you can do to support the podcast and tell your friends and family about it. Even though the team that I'm covering seems to be touring with us, they play well for a week and then they play really bad. They play well for a week and then they play really bad. Well, what it comes down to is who, who you're playing because the Cardinals have played some really good baseball. And yes, I, I understood that it was against some pretty bad teams in the uh, Pirates and Royals, but the baseball brand, the brand of baseball they were playing, I guess I should say, was very, very good. And now that the Cardinals can't seem to get a win against a team that's above 500. And that that is that has been the theme of the season. So we're, we're, we're going to start, and I'll get into that. We're going to start with, with the positives from yesterday's ballgame. And we're going to start with Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty went out there and pitched like he knew, knew he he knew he could and and you know dominated maybe not necessarily but but pitched very well and shut down a very good Brewers lineup made probably two bad pitches he, he said he he wanted one of them back the other one to, to Willie he put a good swing on Willie Adamas but the other one that he gave up wanted a little bit of a better pitch but nevertheless you go six innings give up just two weren't against this Brewers lineup that's a, a statistical quality start and a quality start in my book, nonetheless, because he was pretty dominant in yesterday's game, striking out eight over those six innings, needing just, as I look it up here, just 92 pitches. Probably uh, if he was, you know, maybe a little bit farther back from injury or if his, uh, wasn't injured, maybe you go another inning with Flaherty, but nevertheless, you turn the things over to the bullpen, you feel pretty good. And for, for Flaherty to, to do that, uh, to, to start that well, that, that, that was on the to-do list. What was to get Flaherty a good start and then to get to Freddy Peralta early. The Cardinals did both of those things. They, they did they, they checked off both of the, the things that I wanted them to check off. They just weren't able to finish the job. And that, that's what Mike Schill talked about, is that they, they scored a lot of runs early and were unable to to get out of out of or unable to add on. They were four out of ten with runners in scoring position. That's all fine and dandy, but they they, they stranded uh, eleven runners on base. Brewers were one for ten, but only stranded six, and that ended up being the difference in the game. 
Cardinals stranded runners didn't add on to their three nothing lead. They lost six to four. They didn't add on until the tenth inning, I should say, when when the ghost runner on second scored in that bottom half of the tenth inning. But this Cardinal team just needs to be better, and they just not. And I'm not saying that they stopped trying. I don't think any major leaguer ever stops trying that that to that extent. But they just put took their foot off the gas at least, or that they weren't able to produce somehow like they were in that first or in those first two innings. I guess I should say. And that, that to me has been a problem all year. They haven't really been able to to add on and when they do. Because even in that 7-1 win against the Kansas City Royals over the weekend, that they scored seven runs in the first two innings and then zero the rest of the way. So th- that's just another example of of the, the Cardinals not being able to add on with their offense. And we're, we're going to get into the decision-making of Mike Schilt in, in a little bit later. But we're going to start with, again, Started started with Jack Flaherty and the positives. We're going to talk about a posting comment that he read or that he said saying that, you know, kind of poking fun at, well, you saw how full the stands were. The announced, the announced attendance last night was 25,938, according to MLB.com. It did not look that full on 25,000 in a 44, 46,000 stadium seat stadium is, is not that full anyways. I think, and you know, maybe maybe you listeners of the show or watchers of the show know this already, but I think fans are starting to. My microphone falls out of place as fans are starting to to take notice a little bit and as to what what the product is on the field. You got some exciting players in in a Flaherty, in a Wainwright, in a Paul Goldschmidt, and a Nolan Arenado. Well, then outside of that, and Yadier Molina, you've got a lot of question marks on this team, and. Beyond that, even if you you, you want to spin it in a one hundred percent positive manner and be that positive positive person and be okay that this is going to be a great team whatever the performance hasn't been there and i think fans are starting to take notice that maybe the front office didn't make any moves to improve this team that yes they got john lester and jay happen they have made some quality starts that's fine and dandy i used that phrase twice already in this show probably should stop using that but that's all fine and well there you go but but jay happen john lester all respect to them wonderful pitchers I'm sure they're great guys as well at this stage in their career, are not going to be a difference between a playoff team and a non-playoff team. They, they just won't be. And I, I'm, I'm sure John Lester will go out and, and throw a complete game today just because I'm talking about him right now. But nevertheless, the moves that the Cardinals needed to make weren't made. You could argue that they needed one to two bullpen pieces. You could argue that they needed a shortstop or even a second baseman. You could even argue they needed a center fielder. But, you know, I'm sure that the, many of you just rolled your eyes or many of you said yes because Harrison Bader is still a polarizing topic. Uh, but Bader has improved despite his his recent massive struggle. But the, this team kind of stood pat at their trade deadline. I mean, and even both those moves were made at the eleventh hour. They were both made, you know, between two and three p.m. Central Time, and the de- deadline was three p.m. Central. So, and again, that that just might be me reading, trying to make something out of nothing. But nevertheless, it, it kind of shows that hey, the, the, this team re- didn't really do much at the deadline. I think fans are starting to take notice and. You know, you can hype up the game all you want as a player. You can hype up the game all you want as a team, as a manager, as a coaching staff, and things of that nature. But if there's no energy in the ballpark, there's no energy in the ballpark. There's a listener of mine that, that went on went to the game on on Monday. Or I'm sorry, on Tuesday, the, the first game when the Cardinals lost two nothing no Adam when I start. And and here's what he here's what he here's what he had to say. His name is Blake Shul- Shulman on Jake. Blake Schumann on Twitter, beg, beg my pardon. Uh, I was hoping to have something better to say, but the game, the ultimate, it was just extremely disappointing. From watching the Cardinals waste another terrific at Wainwright Gym to not being able to muster more than four hits. I was, uh, it was upsetting that I drove four hours road trip to see that. It's always fun to be at Bush, and the atmosphere was electric as always. There was some 
hope in the air, it seemed. When they ran out the Redbirds lineup, I felt confident when we had our best nine out there, but unfortunately it wasn't enough against Burns. I just wish this team could put it all together and play consistent baseball. Bad games happen, but the inconsistency has absolutely killed us this year. So thank you, Blake, for, for that quote and for that um, um, uh, perspective on the game on Monday. And, you know, there was some, there were even some loud moments yesterday when, when Flaherty or when Gio Gonzalez was trying to get out of the game in the, in the eighth inning and he struck out, uh, was trying to strike out Widow Escobar. And, you know, there's a little bit of, of energy. There was, there was a little bit of, of being loud and it was great, wonderful, fantastic. But overall, you, you just look in the stands and you see so many empty seats. I can only imagine how disheartening that is for a major league baseball player to go out there and try to make something out of overall what is nothing in the crowd. And yeah, you could say, well, well you, you can have a lot of excuses, a lot of, um, you know, first week of school, COVID still going on. People don't want to spend all their monies. COVID cases are going up and all that. And all, all that's fine. I, I understand the logic behind those, not, not excuses, but behind those rationales, behind those reasoning, behind, behind that reasoning, I guess I should say. But at the end of the day, playoff teams are going to draw playoff crowds. And the Cardinals very well could make the playoffs because of how bad the Reds and Padres played this week. And they could, if they went tonight, they could be two and a half games out of a, out of a playoff spot because they, they start play today um, just three games out, or I'm sorry, four games out of that second wild card spot. So they could be three and a half. I beg your pardon. Um, but the, the Padres don't play today and the Reds play against Miami. Um, but they, they, they could be three and a half back. They could pick up a game on the Brewers. But, but the, the, the lack of an atmosphere really, in my opinion, killed this, killed, killed the team. And even, even though they got off to a, such a good start, such a good start, they did it. I, I talked about it a thousand times on yesterday's show. Start early, get to Peralta early, let Flaherty settle in. They did both of those things. Like I mentioned in the Locked On Now video that was posted on LO underscore Cardinals on Twitter and Instagram, it was so good, and then it was so bad, and then it was so ugly. It just proceeded to get worse and worse as the game went along. And it was just an unfortunate one. So, so talked about Flair. You talked about the, the crowd. Segments two and three, we're talking about umpiring crew. And I hate talking about umpires. I really do. Talking bullpen management. We're going to talk umpires in segment three. We're going to talk bullpen management and Alex Reyes in segment number two because uh, that, that seems to be the more important topic to discuss. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now practically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. And you have to endure pointless questioning from these people and sometimes intimidating and wait while the person behind the counter gets you the parts that you need. Well, you have access to rockauto.com at home on your computer or right now in your pocket. So save time and money when going to rockauto.com because you don't want to choose to spend 30 to 50 or even 100% more for the same parts. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. The prices are low and reliable for every single customer. If everything you could possibly need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. Right now, you can still listen or watch and go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We all know that we should be eating more fish to get our omega-3s and protein, right? But the seafood at the counter can be intimidating. Which fish is the best tasting? What type of cut should I get? Can you really be sure about the quality of it? Well, Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of buying wild-caught seafood. Wild Alaskan Company delivers that wild 
uh, high quality, sustainably sourced, wild caught seafood right to your door. So choose from salmon, white fish, or a combination. And every month, there are different specials to explore. Each shipment contains premium wild caught, individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. Wild Alaskan Company seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. You can adjust or pause or cancel your membership at any time, so there's no worries. And they offer 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB, nutrition from nature, and you're saving a few extra bucks. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. One more time, that is wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB to get $15 off your first box. So the decision-making in the ninth. So, so the bullpen set up perfectly. You had Flaherty go six, and then you had the opportunity to set it up for your big three. And for good, better, or worse, those are the three that you won and lost, won or were going to lose and lose the game with. That's who ended up yesterday you losing the game with as Alex Reyes gets pe- uh, pegged with his sixth loss and his second blown save of the year. Uh, Jack, or sorry, Hennis Escobar, get my name mixed up, was filthy sharp. He went... One inning, didn't strike on anybody, but he was filthy. Only threw seven pitches, all of them for strikes. The Brewers ended up pitch hitting with uh, Urias. Pinched it, Urias. So to kind of force Mike Schultan, excuse me, um, in in the top of the eighth inning. And again, I'll get to the umpire moment in the top of the eighth inning in in just a moment. But in that eighth inning, um, he he pinched it for Miguel Sanchez, who was going to be a lefty. So... He went to a right-hander, Mike Shilton. And th- that was an okay move. I, I think Hennessy Cabrera's stuff plays against both lefties and righties. But Mike Shilton, traditionalist, and I, I think you know we-, we can talk about the good and bad things of that um, quality in a little bit. But So he wanted the matchup. He got the matchup he wanted in uh, Gallegos and Urias, and he-, he struck out Urias on four pitches in the first at-bat. So it ended up, uh, or five pitches, I guess I should say. That that decision worked out. Then he gave up a single to Colton Wong. Then he, um, then Colton Wong stole second off of Yadi. And side note, thought it was hilarious that Colton Wong stole or kept the base from Yadi Molina. Yes, I know Wong's an enemy, yada yada yada, but I still like Colton Wong, and it was kind of that, that that was kind of funny. I thought for him to take second base off of Yadi, two good friends. Uh, then he walks Adamas, gets Yellis to pop out to Edmundo Sosa at third base. And again, I'll get to why Arnado was in the game in segment number three. And you all probably know why, but still I'll get my thoughts on it. And then the at-bat against Eduardo Escobar. Gallegos gets a called strike three. And um, th- that pitch was upstairs just a touch, <laughs> if you're asking me. Uh, but again, home plate umpire had it at a strike, called it a strike, Cardinals out of a jam. And then we get to the ninth inning. You bring in Alex Reyes. I got no problem with bringing in Alex Reyes. If he's your closer, he's your closer. Go with him. No big deal. He gets Omar Navarro to strike out on a pitch that was nowhere close to the strike zone. And then you have Omar Navarro get tossed. And then you have Craig Council get tossed by Roman De Jesus. And then the very next pitch after the ejection, Alex Reyes throws a slider down and in. And Avisio Garcia gets just enough of it to send it over the wall. And then he gets the next two guys, uh, Telez and Bradley Jr., to, to get out. So he gets through that ninth inning, just the one hit, which, again, was the home run. So I'm not trying to be like, oh, he was perfect, but j- just the hit. So And he only threw, let's see, one, two, three, four. He only threw, 
four five. I only threw nine pitches. So the rationale there is that he only threw nine pitches, and I'm, I'm just trying to give both sides. So what Mike Schultz might have been thinking: threw nine pitches, maybe a send him back out there. But Alex Reyes has proven to you, for good, better, or worse, that he cannot pitch with runners on pitch with runners on base. We saw this against the Cubs when he walked in a couple of runs. We've seen this time and time again that Alex Reyes cannot come in, especially with the bases loaded. That's that's a no brainer at this point. Do not bring him in with the bases loaded. But then you also see it now with 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 when I was on base in the, in the tenth inning, bring somebody else in. I would have. I mean, again, you can. I, I understood a little bit of how, what he was doing in the moment, a little bit, and you can first guess him. You can talk about it in the moment. I don't mean to second guess and to say that I could do a job better or what, what anything of that nature. But yet you do have to wonder what the, the decision making process was, especially after you have runners on second and third, and you you you've, you've gotten one out because Urias reached on third. Um, on uh, throwing air by Alex Reyes. That didn't go well. Luckily, they didn't score a run. You had Colton Wong a fly out. Then you had Willie Adamas up and Christian Yelich on deck. Luckily, he, he struck out Willie Adamas on four pitches. Great. But if you're going to be such a matchup guy and take out Cabrera for, for a more favorable, more favorable matchup, and again, you can debate that if you want, and bring in a lefty there, a righty there, why not do the same thing and bring in TJ McFarland or a, even Andrew Miller to face... Christian Yelich, who is a left-handed batter, or even Jace Peterson, who, um, who who singled home, bringing somebody else, and Alex Reyes ended up finishing the inning because now Alex Reyes is done for today, most likely after throwing thirty-two pitches yesterday. It, it just really didn't make it again. Maybe Jace Peterson isn't the hitter that they send up if a lefty is is brought in. I understand that, but still you, you, maybe you force council's hand. And if you like TJ McFarland stuff so much, maybe you bring in, you, you still bring him in no matter what, because you like his stuff a lot, but to leave Alex Reyes in that long to take a beat down just really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and I, I think that he has shown you in the past that he is not somebody that can pitch in, in a high level situation when runners, excuse me, uh, when runners are always already rather on base. And, and now, like I said, you burnt him for today. Because even after you gave up the tying run after only nine pitches, if you take him out, then you still have him for today. And T.J. McFarland has shown that he can get out of jams. He did so against the Cubs. He's done so in extra innings. He, he's pitched very well this series, or this season, rather. Uh, been a bit of a shock out of the bullpen. I would have liked to have seen T.J. McFarland in that game at some point. Uh, again, I get that he pitched on Tuesday. Even Andrew Miller, again, I get that he pitched on Tuesday. But those are those are the lefties right now in that bullpen. So I'd like to, I would like, I would like to have seen one of them. And again, it was kind of a, a, a kooky inning, anyways. Uh, Reyes overcooks a changeup that I don't think Molina could have gotten a, a better glove on it if he tried. It was set up outside, had to crossfire back in. So I don't think there was any laziness or or lack of preparation there on that wild pitch. And then you had that the bunt single that you can say you, you, we can try and make the point that oh maybe Nolan Arenado would would have made that play if he was still at third base. Maybe Nolan, Ar- Nolan Arenado is an incredible defender. I get that, but Mundo Sosa still made that still made that play extremely close. It would have been nice to have Arenado up at the plate uh, in that in that tenth inning, even though Sosa did, you know, as Mike Schultz put it, put a missile into right field. But we still would like to see Nolan. Bottom line, second guess all you want. I, you, there, there's a lot to be said right now of of maybe better better in game management is needed. Whether that means Mike Schultz changes his philosophy, there's a new coach or something. And, and again, I'm usually not one to call for somebody being fired because at the end of the day, we are, are still human and everything of that nature. But 
there, there is a, a caveat to maybe the, this Mike Schilder thing isn't working out. Maybe that he, I'm not saying he's holding the team back, but he's definitely making decisions that is putting the team in a bind in game management. Uh, he's, he's, I think at the end, at certain points, he's got a great message to the team. He seems to be a good clubhouse guy, but he still just seems to struggle with, a little bit with the in game management. And one thing that I, that I will fault him for is for not getting out there to protect Nolan Arenado sooner. At the same time, kind of questioning what, what the umpire first base umpire Alan Porter was doing, uh, even tossing him in the first place. So I was breaking that all down, talking about, sadly, I've talked about a little bit of the ump show that was going on um, in, in this game, as well as the ejection of Nolan Arnato, and talking about game three as John Lester tries to um, help the Cardinals salvage a game in this three-game set. So talking more Cardinal baseball coming up, but first, did you know that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action? Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Not just Major League Baseball, but we've got NFL, college football around the corner, and NBA, NHL when they're in season, and all of their UFC, MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your mobile laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. That first deposit promo code is locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on. Get you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. What are you waiting for? Deposit now and get your free money at betonline.ag. Nolan Arenado was ejected from yesterday's game by first base umpire Alan Porter after Alan Porter called him out twice on questionable at best check swing calls. There wasn't a really definitive replay. The one that they showed in the broadcast was kind of at an angle, so it's kind of hard to really see what Alan Porter saw. But Alan Porter saw Nolan Arenado being unable to check a swing. That That is what it is. Umpires miss calls all the time. He let Arnado gripe a little bit on his way back to the dugout. And then Nolan Arnado tried to gripe on his way back out to the dugout, or way back out to the field, rather, and tossed him. On a check swing call, and it's easy for me to sit here and say this, on a check swing call, Nolan probably has to be a little cooler to, to, be, to stay in the game in a one-on-one game like that. And However, I get it that he's a heated, emotional guy, and it kind of might be unfair of me to ask him, to ask that of him. I get that. Very, very well might be true. But it was really difficult to lose him in that game because, like I said, that play that Christian Yelich munted on, maybe you get him out, but you would definitely like to see him at the plate. No disrespect to Mundo Sosa in that bottom of the 10th inning. But at the same time, he, he, he was trying to vent his uh, disagreement, and Mike Schultz said that he came out the early – came out to try and protect Arnado, but at the same time, I just – I really w- wish Mike Schultz could have done a better job of maybe get him tossed and that himself tossed and then on the way out, maybe say, hey, Nolan, don't, don't get tossed. We, we need you in this game. Vents a little bit, but if he says no more, no more. Because at the, at the I, I umpire at the high school level, for those of you who don't know, umpire and officiate at the high school level to players, if an umpire says no more, that means no more, you're going to get tossed, okay? This is a much different level, much different league. I understand that. Umpires are trained to handle players in a much different way than I am. I understand that. But still, you know, from an umpire standpoint, he, he told you no more. He went a little bit more and got tossed. But my thing about it is, again, 
easy for me to sit here in my apartment and say this, but Mike Schilt could have done a better job protecting his player, not even just before he got tossed, even after. Because there were some people that were saying on Twitter, and I, I tend to agree with it, why is Mike Schilt still in this game after after Auto got tossed? Mike Schilt should have been livid. And I, Mike Schilt definitely said something to Alan Porter about it and was expressed frustration. But at the end of the day, that, that that's arguably, and you can – Different, two different tiers of this, if you like, but that's at least one of your top two or three players on your team uh, getting tossed in a one-run game when you're trying to fight for a playoff spot. That's pretty upsetting. That's pretty frustrating. And Alan Porter probably should have let Nolan go a little bit longer. Nolan probably should have rolled it back in. Shield probably should have gone out there sooner. Shield probably should have gone out there after to get to get tossed after that to protect his player. So many things went wrong about it, and I just hate having to talk about the Yum Show because even the home plate umpire. Roman DeJesus, like I mentioned, had a really brutal strike zone. And th- these days happen. I understand that. Uh, umpires are imperfect, just like players and managers are. It, there's might, there could be a way to hold umpires more accountable that mess up time and time again. I get that. I understand that argument. Bad calls are going to happen. Frustrations were, vet- or were vented. And players were tossed. I mean, that, that strikeout that, that Giovanni Gagos got to Eduardo Escobar was not a strike. The strikeout that... Um, Omar Navarro's got called out on was not a strike. And there were just the, the pitch earlier in the game, much earlier in the game when Christian Yelich got called out on strikes was not a strike. Um, that was down and in against Jack Flaherty. Unfortunate to see. And I think that, you know, sadly we might be sprinting towards robo umpires, which I think could be a good thing, at least in the, in the strike zone, but also could be a bad thing in terms of, you know, because at the end of the day, you still want a human being able to, to control and, and and say yes or no to different things because a computer is just simulation and can't really deal with real world events. Different subject for a different time. Just kind of sad to see that the M show really kind of took over. But um, hopefully, game three of the M show does not take over. It will be interesting to see uh, Mr. Allen Porter behind home plate tonight, as that is how um, home plate umpires usually rotate. Um, first base goes to home, home to third, third to second, second to first. So, Allen Porter, hopefully, uh, We'll have a decent strike zone for Nolan Arenado tonight, as that'll be an interesting at-bat to, to take in. But at the end of the day, kind of my, my recap or big thoughts on the series so far is we're seeing the difference between a playoff team and a non-playoff team. And I I, I tend to agree if you want to be positive and be uplifting, and I, you, you can agree with Jack Flaherty's post-game comments that nobody wants to see the Cardinals in the postseason because they know what we can do. We're right there. We're not as far as people, we're not as far out as people think we are. Paraphrasing that, of course. You can believe that if you want. You, you can be on that board. And if they're in, I, I'm still full for this team winning every game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be a huge pessimist and just trying to take credit if they win. This team does have some talent. They have an opportunity with weak games coming up. But we're, we're seeing the Cardinals right now against the above 500 teams just struggle. Uh, against against above 500 teams, the Cardinals are 20 and 34. That is less wins above 500 teams than the Arizona Diamondbacks. That is less wins against above 500 teams than the Miami Marlins. Less wins above 500 teams than the Pittsburgh Pirates. Less wins against above 500 teams than the Kansas City Royals. Less wins against above 500 teams against the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles are even 23 and 60, which is not a good record. Their, their winning percentage there is worse. But still, not they're just not winning games against teams that are above 500. And that is going to be the difference in a postseason team versus a non-postseason team. Game three tonight, 645 first pitch. John Lester gets the ball against Brandon Woodruff. 
This could be this is going to be rather. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Another tall task for the St. Louis Cardinals offense as they face an ace, a Cy Young uh, contender, maybe not favorite, but a Cy Young contender when he's on his game. Going to be a tall task. John Lester has to pitch well. The recipe, just like it was yesterday, just like it was on Tuesday, is going to be the same. Get to Woodruff early. Let Lester settle in. Hopefully, Bullman can make it stick. I think, if, in my opinion, this is my opinion, if you get in a situation where you can set it up for a save, let Cabrera get the ninth. Just, or, or, or Gio. I mean, if you want to throw Gio, that, that's fine, but you got to wonder if he's truly available after working out of a big jam yesterday. I think Cabrera should be first in line to get that, that get closer's job tonight, just tonight. Yes, Helsley, but Cabrera, for sure. And then that's another point, just a real sign out. Why wasn't Helsley in the game yesterday? You had an opportunity to bring him in and it started him in the, in the 10th, who has been historically good with runners in scoring position this year and inherited runners this year. High takes 20 and 20, and I get it. You can question it in, in the moment as well. But at the end of the day, players still have to execute, and they did not execute. Hopefully they can execute today against uh, Brandon Woodruff. So now that you listen to this podcast, be sure to listen to Locked on Bets and win yourself some money. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell to be notified when a video gets posted. Please also subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and tell all your friends and family about the show as well. You can follow me on Twitter at LJFastball. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Email the show anytime at LockedOnCards at gmail.com. DM, email with any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns and uh, hope that you still listen to the show tomorrow um, despite some bad bad baseball being played right now by the st louis cardinals but until i talk to you guys next time which will be tomorrow and again hopefully my lighting and technical issues are all solved and ready to go so it'll be up night bright and early for you guys Uh, but until i talk to you then be sure to stay safe stay well and have a fantastic day